everyone, it's Emma here on day, um, I don't even know, I don't even know what day of lockdown it is anymore, but I'm, I'm here anyway, and I'm working from home to bring you episode 16 of the Parent and NI podcast. I hope you're all doing okay, and it's nice to be keeping you company here for half an hour or so. You might remember when I was last ta- chatting to you in uh, the previous month's episode, it was only the early stages of the government's response to coronavirus. In fact, I think we might have only just went into lockdown and so we weren't sure how this was all going to unfold. And I think I had said that if I was even bringing you a podcast this month, it might just be me reading you out some of the top tips or a parenting article. Um, but you'll be glad to know that you're not just stuck with me rambling on to you um, this month by the wonders of technology. Um, which I think we're all so grateful for at the minute in terms of keeping in touch with people. Um, but anyway, yes, I've, I've had a chat with Dr. John Coleman about supporting teenagers at this time. Um, and just to say, this is my first time recording uh, the podcast via a video call. So apologies if the audio is a little bit different, but I think it's a really interesting conversation that you'll hopefully find helpful. So enjoy. Dr. John Coleman is a psychologist with a long-standing interest in teenagers. Currently visiting professor at the University of Bedfordshire, Dr. John Coleman has worked with parents and families throughout his career, including running workshops for parents of teenagers. He has worked as an academic, a senior research fellow in the Department of Education at the University of Oxford, and ran a special facility for troubled teenagers. And that's just to name a few of the roles that John has had. On top of all this, John is also a great friend of Parenting NI. We've had him over to Northern Ireland a few times to speak at conferences. And John was also on the expert advisory panel that overseen the development of Parenting NI's signature evidence-based parenting program, Odyssey Parenting Your Teen. So we're delighted to be talking to him on this episode of the Parenting NI podcast. John, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us in these very unique circumstances. Thank you. It's great to be talking to you. And so, as previously mentioned, John is particularly interested around uh, the research in teenagers, their development and the impact of the digital world. So given that we're currently living um, in very challenging circumstances um, on lockdown due to coronavirus, we wanted to talk to John about the impact that this will have on teenagers and their families and how parents can support them at this time. So, John, I think it's fair to say that Teenagers will be feeling a lot of the emotions that we're all currently feeling. So they're probably anxious and maybe stressed and frustrated that they're not seeing their family and friends. And we know that this is a critical sort of stage in young people's development, and that can make it a bit more difficult for them to manage those emotions. Can you tell us maybe a bit in general about why um, it's harder for them to process these types of feelings? I think that um, being a teenager can be a pretty tricky time and uh, one of the key facts is what's going on inside them, particularly in their brains. Um, So we know that during the teenage years the brain really develops rapidly and there's lots of really positive things, new skills are learned and so on, but it's also a time of a bit of confusion where um, the brain is restructuring itself and therefore sometimes managing the emotions regulating our feelings is quite tricky because that bit of the brain that um, is in charge of the emotions is quite powerful at times 
Added to that, of course, as we know, hormones play a big role in, in, uh, for teenagers. And it's not just the hormones to do with sexual maturation, but all the hormones that affect our behavior um, are, are go through much more variation during the teenage years. So you and I, our hormones might vary during any one day by about 5%, so it goes up and down a little bit, but not that much. Whereas teenagers have a much greater variation in hormone level. And so, as all of us know, you know, teenagers can feel great one moment and then really plunged into despair at the next. And so that sort of variation is really difficult to manage. All those things, of course, make, make things under, uh, under this sort of extraordinary situation more difficult for most, but not all. And it's important to say that for some teenagers, we know now that um, uh, not going to school, um, uh, not having that sort of pressure of homework, um, teachers expecting things actually has been quite good. So there is a group of teenagers who actually are feeling quite good at the moment. Um, they're having more time with their, their family. Um, they can get up when they like. We know lots, we've heard lots of stories of teenagers sleeping till 11 or 12 o'clock. Um, so, um, you know, th there is a group for whom this, this is actually not too bad. Um, but there are also um, some who are very, very anxious, who are anxious about um, going out, anxious about their own um, parents and grandparents' health and worries about whether they might catch the virus. And of course, there's this whole thing about, um, you know, your friends. How are you managing your friendship group? And um, some people feel that being the fact that teenagers are, as it were, cut off from face-to-face -face, um, um, time with their friends is really bad. Um, but other teenagers, um, you know, we've talked to, are saying that, um, uh, you know, it's not that bad. Um, there's an awful lot of, um, you know, ways in which you can be um, uh, interacting with your friends. You've probably heard of House Party, yes, um, which indeed. is a great site. Um, people are on TikTok, um, okay. sharing music and so on. So it isn't that they are completely cut off. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think there's very mixed experiences. There are certainly some teenagers who are finding it very, very hard, mm -hmm. but not everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just say one more thing um, on this. Uh, there are some who feel that what they were expecting, the sorts of things they were going to do this summer, and particularly if it's the last term, um, if it's GCSEs or A-levels, um, that they've been somehow something's been taken away from them. There's a sense of loss that, um, you know, something that they were expected, uh, expe sorry, expecting um, uh, has been, uh, you know, has the, the rug has been pulled from under their feet. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, think, I think that um, has been hard for some. So the sense of loss and resentment is hard to manage. And that whilst we're kind of talking about those sort of challenges and the, the difficulties that young people um, are facing, would you say that in general, both for parents and maybe society in general, because young people can get a hard rap sometimes, um, <laughs> is it important maybe for all of us to understand the teenage brain better and their development better? Absolutely, Emma. Yes, I, I'm a great believer in the fact that if more people, and particularly I think in families, understood a little bit about what is happening, um, uh, it would make things so much easier. 
on the one hand, it would make things easier because teenagers themselves would feel that they're better understood. Some of their, you know, the, the way their emotions flip-flop from one to the other, um, some of the bad, uh, the low periods that they have, the anxieties and so on. If parents, you know, if they felt that their parents understood them better, it, it would be easier for them. <clears throat> but the other thing, of course, is that, you know, for many, many families, um, teenage behavior is a puzzle. It, it's a problem. And teenagers go and shut themselves in their rooms. They're all stroppy and difficult and, um, you know, refusing to agree to anything and being, uh, you know, being disrespectful and so on. That's all part of this stage. And I think if parents were able, parents and carers were able just to step back a little um, to be able to say, well, it's not about me. It's about, you know, the, the, the process that they're going through. It is a stage. I, I, I do make a lot in my work of the fact that this is a stage. It won't last forever. And if we can understand that and help young people through it, it will be much, much better. So kind of much like the current situation that we're in, if we compare that to what teenagers are going through, it's not going to last forever. Um, so it is a temporary thing. But given that maybe everyone's spending so much more time together in the family home and that can create a bit of conflict sometimes, would you have any advice for parents on managing this, this time with their young person? Yes, I th think there's quite a lot to, to say about this. Um, I think the first thing is that however cramped your circumstances, however small the, the, you know, your flat or your um, house is, um, it is very important for teenagers to have a bit of space of their own, even if it's a beanbag in a corridor, even if it's, it's a tiny little space, um, you know, finding somewhere that teenagers can feel is theirs, that they can, uh, I don't know, they, they can... Um, um, sort of snuggle down with their Xbox or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing, I think, is do cut them a bit of, you know, you know the phrase, cut them a bit of slack. Yeah. Um, don't, you know, it, it is okay for, in this uh, circumstance, for young people to spend more time online um, with screens than they might normally. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's actually really, really important. So, and also things like sleep and, uh, you know, it, it isn't the end of the world if teenagers are getting up late. Um, so I think uh, being a bit more relaxed, that's number one. Number two is I think that it's really, really helpful if families can find some Thing, some more responsibilities that teenagers can take on, even if these are quite small things. It could be walking the dog, it could be looking after a younger um, brother or sister, it could be contributing to the cooking, but actually treating teenagers as responsible individuals makes them feel more grown up. So don't treat them as children, try and find ways that you can, and also rewards, you know, we know. And that's an interesting thing about the brain. We've learned from the brain research that teenagers' brains are particularly sensitive and responsive to rewards. Mm -hmm. um, that's the way the brain is structured and because of the hormones. So actually, rather than criticizing teenagers, which of course is a very common <laughs> thing, um, uh, if parents and carers can find a way of rewarding them, of giving them positive um, you know, messages, um, or try and avoid criticism, try and go for the positives, teenagers will respond. So I think all those things can really help. However, just one last thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, emotions are going to be heightened and teenagers will find it difficult. So 
it's really helpful if families can find a way of actually, um, you know, being open about feelings. Don't try and hide feelings. Allow young people a space to say what they feel and be, you know, understanding the fact that these emotions are going to go up and down. So don't try and sort of say, shove the feelings under the carpet. Mm -hmm. um, do accept them. Do have some open conversations because adults will have strong feelings. Adults will have fears and anxiety. Those can be shared and that will help the teenager too. Yeah, totally. And I mean, everyone's kind of working from home now. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm finding that kind of keeping a bit of structure to my day um, is very helpful in terms of kind of processing all those emotions and things that we're feeling every day. Um, so as much as it is kind of okay for parent or for teenagers, sorry, to sleep in and maybe a bit be a bit more flexible with their time at home, can structure be helpful in, in terms of maybe having a day a time set aside for them maybe to do a bit of study and having a time that they can maybe house party with their friends or whatever, whatever that might be. Yes, I think this is very interesting. So at the beginning of all this, I was saying structure is really important. You know, do create a structure, have a time for exercise, have a time for schoolwork if they're doing schoolwork, try and create some exercise, uh, some, some routine, I'm sorry. Um, uh, and then it was very interesting because families were calling me up and saying, but hang on, you know, what happens if my teenager wants to sleep in in the morning? Um, you know, why? And they're saying, well, why should I get up? So I think there is a balance. I completely agree with you that no structure is not good. Mm. Structure is important for brain development, but it's also important for health. We feel better if we've got a routine. Mm. Um, so I think I think that I think you're absolutely right. And I think that um, my answer has been okay, allow some days in the week, maybe on the weekends, um, or maybe one extra day where you can, you know, a teenager can sleep in. But actually some routines really are useful so um uh, exercise at the same time and of course exercise can be in the home as well as going out if mm -hmm. you can't go out um uh eating uh, meals and and uh, nutrition is very important um so all those things yes i i, I think uh, if if routines can be um uh, created for young people and of course for the rest of the family that will help but you've got to have a sort of compromise in a way yeah. because teenagers are also going to be pushing against that but I think talking to teenagers about what's helpful for them what will make them feel better particularly if they're feeling low or anxious um, uh, I think you can definitely bring in routines as one of the examples of ways in which they could they will feel better yeah absolutely so by keeping those lines communication open too absolutely exactly yeah. and can, uh, talking about communication perhaps just say a word about that yeah sure um, uh, obviously, uh, you know, many, many people feel that talking to teenagers is really difficult. Teenagers are only, um, you know, um, don't really want to talk. Many parents say to me, well, they want to talk to their friends, but they don't want to talk to me. And it is really important for everyone to recognize that teenagers do want to talk, but they want to talk in a way that feels safe for them. They want to, they don't want to talk at every time that a parent wants to talk. Often teenagers want to talk late at night or whatever it is. But teenagers really do want to talk to their parents, but in a way that doesn't feel intrusive and recognizes the need that 
that young people have for some privacy. You know, as you're working out your emotions, you're working out your relationships with others, you may not need, be able to talk about it immediately. You may need to process it. But parents really um, should not feel that teenagers don't want to talk to them. It's really important for teenagers to talk. Um, and to come up, pick up on a little point, sorry there, that you made around privacy. Um, and I suppose because we're all spending a lot more time online now than we maybe ever have done before, you know, we're using technology yeah. to keep in touch with people. Um, and that is something that parents might be worried about. You know, their, their children are using devices and technology a lot more than they maybe normally would be. And I know this is a particular area of interest for you, John. So would you maybe have any advice for parents around how to navigate that with their young person? Yes, it, it is a very tricky area. The first point, as you say, is that we're all of us, adults, teenagers, <clears throat> spending more time online. We have to recognize that. And there's no point in parents being hypocritical, saying, you know, you're you're doing this where in fact they're doing it themselves. And in fact, you know, the, there's been some quite interesting stuff where um, young people have been complaining about the parents' use of their phones or whatever, saying, well, you never talk to me, you're on your phone all the time. <laughs> so, you know, we have to be careful about the hypocrisy here. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I think it is, of course, a worry. And um, there have been stories in the media, you know, about how damaging certain websites can be, um, particularly if they're encouraging unhealthy behavior or problems with mental health and so on. Um, so I think that the key thing here, it really goes back to this issue of communication, that what isn't helpful is for parents to just say, oh, well, he or she um, is on the screen, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I've just got to leave them. I think communication is really important. So parents, if at all possible, should be having a dialogue with young people about what they're doing. Um, they don't have to be intrusive. They don't have to be interrogating them all the time, but keeping an eye on what's going on. Um, and just actually opening up conversation, you know, saying I was doing this on my, on my phone, you know, what sort of things are you doing? What about house party? How does it work? You know, have you heard of TikTok or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> you know, being being interested, it's the same for so many other things, isn't it? Like schoolwork, being yeah. interested, having having some sense that you really are concerned that everything is okay, making it clear that if there's a problem, if something unwanted comes on your screen or you feel someone's harassing you or bullying you, talk about it, you know, ask for help. Um, so I think it, it's really all about keeping channels of communication open. Um, parents um, should just keep a, um, you know, a little eye on what, what's going on. Um, and uh, I think as long as relationships, you know, as long as the message is that they, that parents are not trying to control or intrude they're just concerned to make sure that the young person is safe. That, that's the message that really needs to get across. Yeah. And one of the things that actually we're going to be looking at on Parent and NI social media over this week is um, about grandparents. And just was interested in one of the things that you said there around um, kind of just taking an interest. And that was one of the things that we had kind of been talking about um, on our virtual team meetings um, that, you know, teenagers will actually maybe enjoy telling you about the things that they're interested in 
you know, we, we had seen last week on BBC News, uh, Dame Judy Dench doing some TikTok videos with her grandson. And, <laughs> um, and that has really taken off and become a bit of a, a viral sensation. But these are things that, that everyone can enjoy, I suppose, together as a family, even though we're all apart. Yes, yes, a a absolutely. And grandparents, of course, do have a very important role to play. Um, uh, so teenagers can help uh, grandparents get the technology um, going. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's one mm -hmm. really important thing. Um, uh, but uh, you're absolutely right. And I do see a big role for grandparents. People feel, I mean, it is very hard for grandparents. And I know because I'm a grandparent, you know, feeling that you're not having at uh, that time with your grandchildren is very tough for some people and it does feel very hard. But I think grandparents and teenagers where it's, it's a lot easier. I mean, with my three-year-old grandson, he, he does find it very, he can just come to the screen, sort of wave his hand, but then he gets all <laughs> fidgety and, and he can't have a proper conversation yeah, with him, even when yeah. we try reading to him. Um, but uh, for teenagers, I think there is really a role to play. And as you say, um, I mean, Judy Tench is a great example, but there are lots of other ways um, that uh, parents and teenagers can share things, can share interests, can share activities. Um, and, you know, we were talking about young people taking responsibility. I know a lot of teenagers who've um, used this time to actually raise money. Um, for charities that uh, are important to them. Um, so there's an example that you, something you can do with your grandparent, uh, a grandparent. So yes, absolutely, grandparents have a big role to play. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice positive uh, note to end our conversation on, John. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. Um, and just to say as well, uh, John has a couple of blogs that he has written for parents of teenagers, which Parent and NI will be sharing. So you can check that out on our website um, and social media pages. We'll be linking through um, to John's work on that. Um, they'll be very helpful and useful for you. And an interesting wee quiz on there too, John. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Emma. There we go. Really interesting insights there from John Coleman. Uh, it was great to get to spend a bit of time chatting with him. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did recording it with him. I should also say that Parent and NI are continuing to provide support to parents during the current crisis. Our support line is still available to call for free on 0808 8010722. You can get web chat on our website, which is parentandni.org. And we're also sharing support and information on our social media channels. And you can find us as Parent and NI on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends, family, um, whoever else you think might be willing to listen. Um, and have a look at some of the other episodes we've put out over the last year and a bit too. Um, see if there's any others that take your fancy. It would be nice to have you along with us. And um, we're all on the usual platforms that you can get your podcast to listen to. Um, while you're there, give us a rating and a review. That really helps others find it um, who may also find it useful. And go on and hit the subscribe button there while you're there um, or follow on Spotify and you'll be the first to know when a new episode comes out each month. I think it's also worthwhile saying that these are incredibly uncertain times for charities at the minute. Parent and NI, like many other charities, have had to adapt quickly in order to still provide much-needed services to families across Northern Ireland. We do receive some funding to deliver projects and programmes, which we're incredibly grateful for, but in the current climate, 
We are limited in terms of fundraising and a lot of the support that we provide, like this podcast, for example, um, it's done as an extra with no funding set against it. Um, and that's just to be able to help provide a bit of support to those who may otherwise not access it. With that in mind, if you like listening to the podcast each month, if you've accessed some of the support and resources via our website or social media, or you would like to help us maintain our support line and web chat services for parents at this time, we'd really appreciate um, you making a donation. I mean, we totally understand that these times are a struggle for many of us financially. However, if you can, we really appreciate any support you might be able to give. You can make a donation via our local giving page, which is localgiving.org forward slash charity forward slash parenting NI. That's localgiving.org forward slash charity forward slash parenting NI. Thanks so much, folks. Take care, everyone, and stay safe and stay home.